Reformed Church. And we welcome this afternoon Reverend Salmon from our sister church in Willoughby. And uh, our song, our pre-worship song this afternoon is hymn 31A. Over the past few weeks, we've done a number of uh, hymns where there haven't been too many changes. This is going to be one of the more difficult ones. Uh, there's a 31A is based on the old, uh, the old hymn that sounds like this. And apparently this is a version that was original to the composer. The rhythm is quite different. And a few of the notes are different as well. So I'll just play the first two lines. It's going to be a bit of a challenge. One of the things that we're going to try to keep in mind is that um, this, the new tune, the, uh, the tune with the rhythm, is in a 3-4 meter. So if you think of uh, groups of three, it's a little bit easier to sing. Uh, I'll just play the fourth or the fifth and the sixth line, and you'll kind of hear the rhythm. And because of that, I'll be playing it on the piano so that you can hear that, that, uh, that rhythm. The last two lines, I'm not going to go over every single change because it'll take too long. The last two lines will probably be the most difficult. Um, there's a few notes that are quite a bit different, and the rhythm is quite a bit different, and it goes very high in the last line. So I'll just play the last two lines for you. Especially the last note of the second last line. We're used to singing that one flat. We're used to singing. But now it's a natural, so it's higher. So if we sing it wrong, it'll sound really bad. <laughs> so we're going to try to sing it right. Um, it'll be a quite fast as well because we're um, because of the te- because of the timing. I'll be playing it a little faster than maybe some of us might be used to. So I'll play through the whole hymn, and then we'll try to sing both verses.
brothers and sisters, please rise. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and ruler of the kings on the earth. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now sing in response to the greeting of the Lord our God from Psalm 111, the stanzas 1, 3, and 5. Brothers and sisters, let us now, together with the Church of all times and all places, profess our undoubted Christian faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed, and I do it by singing hymn one. Suffered under 
Let us not pray. Lord Almighty, God, Father in heaven, it is good to come before you now again as your church. It is good to know that we are one with the church of all times and all places. That we are one in the same faith. That we all worship the same God, the only God, the almighty creator of heaven and earth. You, our Lord, our Father in heaven. We thank you that we may know that we are not alone, but that we are part of your church, which you gather from the beginning of the world until its end. This afternoon we have come together again to worship you and to listen to the preaching of your word. And Father, we pray, will you bless us now that we are here together. Bless the preaching of your word. Bless us in listening to the preaching of your word. And you bless us also when we respond to that. Hear then our songs and our prayers. See us when we bring our sacrifices, that all may be to the glory of your name. And will you then keep everything away from us that can disturb this worship service? Father, give us a good understanding that we may grow in knowledge of your word, that we may grow in knowledge of you, our God and our Father, and that we may be filled with joy and thankfulness, and that we may be encouraged to live a life of thankfulness, not only on Sundays, but every day of our life, so that your, so, so that your name be glorified in our lives, and that you use us then to build up your kingdom. We pray this in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us now read from the Holy Scripture from Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42, verse 1 to 17. And I proclaim to you the word of God as it is summarized in Lord's Day 36, what the Bible says about the name of the Lord our God, the third commandment. And now we read about that from Isaiah 42, verse 1 to 17. There we read the word of God. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged, till he establishes justice on earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says, he who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Sing to the Lord a new song. 
His praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and all who live in them, let the desert and its towns raise their voices. Let the settlements where Kedar lives rejoice. Let the people of Selah sing for joy. Let them shout from the mountaintops. Let them give glory to the Lord and proclaim His praise in the islands. The Lord will march out like a mighty man. Like a warrior, He will stir up His zeal. With a shout, He will raise the battle cry and will triumph over His enemies. For a long time, I have kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp and pant. I will lay waste the mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will turn the rivers into islands and dry up the pools. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. But those who trust in idols, who say to images, you are our gods, will be turned back in utter shame. Let us now read Lord Say 36 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord Say 36, there we read how the church confesses and how the church summarized from the Word of God about the third commandment. What is required in the third commandment? We are not to blaspheme or to abuse the name of God by cursing, perjury, or unnecessary oaths, nor to share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. Rather, we must use the holy name of God only with fear and reverence, so that we may rightly confess Him, call upon Him, and praise Him in all our words and works. Is the blaspheming of God's name by swearing and cursing such a grievous sin that God is angry also with those who do not prevent and forbid it as much as they can? Certainly, for no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of His name. That is why He commanded it to be punished with death. Brothers and sisters, let us sing after the sermon as our response to the Word of God from Psalm 95, standards 1 to 4, 1, 2, 3, and 4. Brothers and sisters, beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. When God gave us, as his people, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words of the Covenant, he gave them to us to protect our life, a new life which we live within the Covenant. God redeemed us from our misery, and he placed us as his people in a relationship with him, which is a relationship of love. And the intention of the Ten Commandments is to protect that beautiful life that we receive from God, so that we would not go back to that sinful and miserable situation, which is the result of sin, a situation in which we are only inclined to hate, filled with hate. 
For now through our Lord Jesus Christ we may have the beginning of a beautiful new life with God. The Ten Commandments show us how we will enjoy the full riches of a beautiful relationship with God. In previous Lord's days we saw that for the first and for the second commandment. And this afternoon we will see it even more if it comes to the name of God. The third commandment speaks about the name of God. God's name is very important, especially within the covenant. His name, that is how we know him. How he revealed himself to us. His name says everything about himself. And that also means that if we don't use his name with honor and respect, then we can't talk about him with honor and respect. By making his name known to us, and then especially his covenant name, the name Yahweh, I am who I am, God gave himself to us. He is our God and we are his people. That is what it is all about in the covenant. The third commandment says, Then you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And the name Lord being used there in our translation, that is a translation of the Hebrew name Yahweh. I am who I am. Therefore, the third commandment speaks in the first place about the name of God with which he revealed himself as the covenant God. The third commandment is just as the other commandments in the first place given to God's covenant people. Yes, we know that God's commandments are good for everyone, also the unbelievers. But we should see the Ten Commandments in the first place as the Ten Words of the Covenant given to God's people. Therefore, when we listen to what God's Word says to us about the Third Commandment, then we will first and above all listen to what it says to us as the Covenant people. And then it is not in the first place about cursing and and swearing of, of all those who live in the world, all those who don't believe. Of course, if we hear them misusing the name of our covenant God, then we will not remain silent, no. But in the first place, it is important to realize what the third commandment teaches us as God's covenant people. Therefore, I proclaim to you this afternoon the word of God summarized under this theme. The name of the Lord is His glory. And first, we shall confess Him as our God and Savior. Second, we shall call upon Him as our God and Savior. And third, we shall praise Him as our God and Savior. The name of the Lord is His glory. First, we shall confess Him as our God and Savior. The Bible uses many names, all of which describe how God is. The Lord is our shepherd, he is our rock and salvation, he is our refuge, and many more names. That shows us that it is impossible to describe how God is and who God is. Therefore, we should be very careful in choosing one name for our God which we prefer to use. It is not that we may choose how we want to see our God and how we want to call him. Some people prefer to speak about God as my shepherd. Other people prefer to speak about God with, with different names. But the Lord teaches us not to choose which name we like most. The Bible mentions all those names to describe many parts of how God is. But there is one, one name that summarizes it all. And that is the name that God himself chose to make known to us. It summarizes all that he is and all that he does for us. The name of the God of the covenant, the name Yahweh. This name includes all other names that the Bible uses for God. God is who he is. That name does not give an exact description or explanation of how we should imagine that God is? No, because it is impossible to even try to imagine how God is. Nobody can fully understand God. 
So the Bible teaches us, as we as we read in Isaiah 42, verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. That is what is central in knowing God. This is the name which most clearly speaks about God's glory. The Lord, I am the Lord, I am Yahweh, I am who I am. The covenant God. He wants to be known by us as the covenant God. He who is who he is. Who will do what he said. Who will keep his promises. He who is always the same from eternity to eternity. And then how he is, that is what he shows by his deeds. When God made his name known to Moses, that was when God reminded Moses of the promises which he had given in the past. To Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. He revealed himself to Moses and to Israel as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses could know the promises which he had given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would lead Israel out of Egypt, as God already foretold to Abraham, that he would lead them to the promised land. And when he appeared to Moses, he was still the same God, the God who is faithful. The people of Israel had to remember what God did for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they must know that also now, He will fulfill his promises. He is faithful. And they must trust in him. Trust that he will always be the God of his people in the future. And that they must always trust in him. He will always be the same, the one who is and who was and who is to come. The exodus out of Egypt, the deliverance out of Egypt, is a very special moment in the history of God's people, Israel. And when God gives the Ten Commandments to Israel in the desert at Mount Sinai, then he reminds them again of this deliverance out of Egypt at the beginning of the law. I am the Lord your God who led you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And now he promises that he will be the God of his people. He will fight for his people. He will guide them. He will bless them. He will protect them. And they must trust in him. And only in him. That is his name. I am who I am. He does not tolerate any other God beside him. He does not share his glory with anyone else, nor his praise with any idol. Within the covenant, he tells his people to be fully dedicated to him. God also tells his people to respect and honor him as the God of the covenant. They carry his name, they are his people. Among the peoples, they will be known by the fact that Yahweh is their God. The only God in the whole world who does not tolerate any other God beside him. The only God in the whole world who forbids his people to have an idol. The only God who comes to his people with his covenant. This God is totally different from any other God that the peoples around Israel had made. Israel lived among those peoples as the people of this one and only God, Yahweh, the Lord. They were set apart as God's people. But they did not live in a different world. They lived in a world with all those other peoples around them and sometimes even in their midst. And in that world they had to live as a holy people because they had to glorify God by what they did. They were chosen by God to proclaim His praises. Him who called them out of darkness, out of the darkness of the slavery in Egypt, into the wonderful light of being God's people and living in the freedom of the children of God. In the New Testament, God revealed Himself even more fully in Jesus Christ. The name Yahweh and the name Jesus Christ they all speak about salvation which we receive from God within the covenant. And as Christians, we stand in this world and we carry Christ's name 
as Christians, we live in the world, but we do not belong to the world. Also, we as God's people are set apart from the world. We are being made holy. Therefore, we have to be holy, because God is holy. We have to be His witnesses and proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of the darkness into His wonderful light. And when then the Catechism speaks in Lord's Day 36 about rightly confessing Him, then it speaks about our task as Christians, as prophets, as we can also read about in Lord's Day 12, that we shall as prophets confess His name. In all that we do, in our life, in our words, in our deeds, we are Christians. Through our words and our deeds, we can deny God, our Savior. Yes, but because of our words and deeds, God can also be glorified in this world. The Lord Jesus calls the devil the father of lies. And everybody who does not speak the truth has the devil as father. They have been taught by the devil. But we have God as our Father. That means that we will do what God our Father teaches us. God is the God of truth. In Him there is no lie. He is faithful to His own word. He will keep all His promises. That means that we as His people will live according to what He teaches us. We will be faithful to Him. Usually, the child carries the name of his father. In our time, it's, it's the last name, which usually goes from father to child. In Israel, a person was often known by who his father was. About Jesus, they said, isn't he the son of Joseph from Nazareth? Well, if God is our father, then our deeds will influence how people see and speak about our heavenly father. Do we deny God by our deeds? Do we show in our deeds that, well, in fact, He is not our Father? Or do we glorify Him by our deeds? That people can speak positively about our Father because of what they see in the children. Yes, we will speak and confess the truth always. Because in God there is no lie. And every lie is from the devil. We are his children, therefore we will speak the truth. And if we show ourselves untrustworthy in whatever way, in the way we speak, in the way we do our business, in the way we deal with others, if we show ourselves to be untrustworthy, then we take away from the glory of God. The world will look at us as Christians. And then they can blaspheme God because of what we do wrong. Therefore, also in Lord's Day 37, there we will see that there is a very close connection between the name of God and speaking the truth. That's for the next time. Remember that always, beloved brothers and sisters, the third commandment is not just about speaking up when others curse and swear. It is not only that we don't watch movies in which God's name is used in vain. That too, yes. And it must grieve us very much when we hear God's beautiful name being used in vain. We don't accept or tolerate that. But the third commandment is much more than even in the first place that we as God's covenant people will show ourselves worthy to carry the name of God, to be God's people in this world. It starts with ourselves, our own words and our own deeds as Christians. Are we prophets of Christ, prophets of God? Do we rightly confess God's name in this world? Do we show what God did to us, that He redeemed us and also renews us in His image? Do we show that we love Him and that we love His Word? Or are we only named Christians? Are we only hearers of the word and not doers, as James says? Being only a named Christian, calling yourself a Christian without really confessing his name, that is also misusing Christ's and God's name. 
Then in the second place, we see that we shall call upon him as our God and Savior. The Lord God revealed himself to us with his name, Yahweh, the name of the God of the covenant. He wants us to live with him within the covenant and to fully depend on him. He promised to care for us, to provide us with everything that we need for body and soul. But then he also tells us to only expect everything from him. To call upon the Lord. Lord 36 says. In Lord 38 we see that calling upon the Lord is an essential part of the worship service on Sundays. Within Lord 36 we learn that call upon the Lord is also part of using the name of the Lord our God in the right way. Call upon the Lord. That means that we realize what and who God is for us. That we understand what His name means. That His name is wonderful. And that it is not just a name. As so many people say nowadays, what is in a name? God's name is much more than just a name. We fully realize the meaning of His name and therefore we use His name with all honor and respect. Also, how do you pray? Sometimes I can hear people pray and in almost every line, every sentence, they they use the name of God or they constantly use the name Father or, or Jesus or Lord before every sentence in the prayer or even more often. Then I wonder, do they really understand the meaning of what they are saying? Do they really use God's name with honor and respect in that way? Oh yes, we must use the name of God our Father in our prayer. Because we don't pray to an unknown God there high up in the sky, the providence somewhere. Prayers like, God, if you exist, or if there is a divine being, then please listen to me. Those prayers will never arise because because they don't have the correct address. We must use the name of God in our prayer. But we must also use it with respect, realizing what it means when we pronounce the name of the Lord our God, whether it is the name Father, as our Lord Jesus taught us, or the name Lord or God. When we call upon the Lord in our prayer, then that means that we remind Him of His great deeds for us, And often we pray for Jesus' sake, or in the name of Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Lord. And if we do so, then that is a reminder of the great work that God, our Lord, did for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. His wonderful work of salvation. And because of that work of salvation, we can go to the Lord in our prayer, to the God of the covenant, and we can plead on His promises. Ask him for all that he told us to pray for. And the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is the fulfillment of the promise which came to God's people in the name Yahweh. He came, Jesus Christ came to obtain for us the ultimate salvation. Not just salvation from human powers like the Pharaoh of Egypt or the Romans in the days of the Lord Jesus on earth but from the terrible powers of hell and death which are the result of our sins and disobedience. We read in Isaiah 42 the prophecy of the coming of of this Savior. In verse 6 and 7, Isaiah spoke the words of God who promised about his servant, which God first introduced in 42 verse 1. And then in verse 6 and 7, there we read, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. There Isaiah speaks about the totally new and wonderful things that the Savior will work through the power of God. And then immediately thereafter, In verse 8, God says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. That means that God must receive all praise for his work, his work of salvation. God will not tolerate that anyone else will walk away 
with the honor that is due him. He is the only God who saved us. We don't save ourselves. We can't be saved by any other God. Only Yahweh, the Lord, He is our God, the God who saves. The only one who can give redemption, who can save from eternal damnation. And He will receive all praise for that. No others, no idols will receive any praise. Therefore, we must call upon Him. Lord, say 45, there we read that prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness that God requires of us. And it is because when we pray to God, then we acknowledge Him as the only one who can give us all that is good. That we can't expect anything from anyone else, only from God. And therefore, our entire life must depend on prayer every day again so that we may show in our entire life that it is the name of God that is the only one that is important in our lives. That He should receive all honor and thanks and praise. His work of salvation, that is the greatest and mightiest wonder that ever happened. A mighty deed that surpasses the exodus out of Egypt. A mighty work of salvation which will always be mentioned when His name is mentioned. Yahweh, He who is faithful, He who keeps His promises, He who is always the same, from everlasting to everlasting. And also the name Jesus Christ. Jesus is Savior. And Christ means that He is anointed to to do the work of salvation. His prophet, high priest and king. And everyone who uses the name of Jesus Christ speaks with that about His work of salvation. In the same way as the name of Yahweh the Lord was and is always related to the covenant of God with his people. In the same way will the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, always be related to the covenant which is based on his blood and his work of salvation. Because we are part of the covenant, we may be called Christians because we belong to Christ. In the third place, we see that we shall praise Him as our God and Savior. Brothers and sisters, God, the Almighty and Holy God, comes to us and says to us, in His infinite love and mercy, I will be your Father. You may be my child. My child. Not my servant. Not my slave. My child. God says, I will be your God and you may belong to my people. I will be your Lord, Yahweh. You may trust in me in whatever situation you are. God says, know that I am your God and that you belong to me. This is what God says to us every time again within the covenant. That is what it means to be God's people. That is so enormously rich. We receive so much from God when he gives his name to us within the covenant. Even in the deepest misery, we may still go to Him. He is there for us. Even in the deepest darkness, He will lift us up and comfort us. And that all because His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, suffered an even deeper misery. A misery in which God, His Father, wasn't there to comfort Him, to strengthen Him. The deepest misery that was forsaken by God. Because He was forsaken by God. Because of that, God will never forsake us. That is the basis of the covenant. That is the essence of the work of Jesus Christ, that God will never forsake us, that he will always be our God, and we may always trust in him and call upon him. And so often we fall short in expressing our thankfulness for that. From time to time it is necessary that, that God makes us feel that we need him, so that we will praise Him again. So often we forget to praise Him when everything goes well and when we have nothing to complain. And too easily we take things for granted and we don't praise God. From time to time then it is necessary that God reminds us of our weaknesses and our dependence on Him so that 
forced through a situation, we realize again that He is our Savior. And we will praise Him again and thank Him for everything that we receive from Him. Yes, even every breath in our life. Therefore, in whatever circumstances we are, never put God to the test. But go to Him in childlike reverence and trust and surrender to Him. He is Yahweh. He is the God of the covenant who is faithful and who will keep His promises. He gave His one and only Son for you, Jesus Christ, to suffer and to die for you. Will He, who was willing to do that for you, will He not also give you everything with Christ? Now trust in Him and know that nothing will separate you from His love. Amen.
Brothers and sisters, you may now give your sacrifices of thankfulness to the Lord. And brothers and singer after from Psalm 145, stanzas 1 and 3.
let us now pray and give thanks to the Lord our God. Almighty God, Father in heaven, you are our God and our Father, the Lord, the God of the covenant, Lord who is faithful to your word, to your promises. We thank you and we praise your holy name that you revealed yourself to us with that beautiful name, Yahweh, I am who I am. That we may know that you are faithful. That we can and must put our trust in you. And expect everything from you and from no one else. And nothing else. Father, we thank you that you work with your Holy Spirit. So that your word is being proclaimed every Sunday again. Here at this place and all over the earth. We thank you that we may know that you built your church through your word and spirit, that we may be part of it. We pray, Father, will you bless us? Will you continue to work through us? Will you use us to build up your church, to build your kingdom, to glorify your name? Will you work in us so that we may be truly witnesses of our Lord Jesus Christ? speak in this world about that wonderful salvation that you work through your Son, our Lord and Savior. Father, we pray, will you build us up as your congregation? Will you give us that we as brothers and sisters may live together in good harmony and in true love, through brotherly love? Will you work the peace in our midst about which we could sing at the beginning of this Sunday? morning in Psalm 122. Father, will you give us all that we need for that? That we, above all, above anything else, may submit to your holy word. Will you guide us then through your Holy Spirit? Give us wisdom and insight. Be with the office bearers. Give them all that they need in their task to lead this congregation. Bless the minister in his task to preach and teach. Bless us in listening and receiving the teaching that we may be built up by them. Be with the elders in their task to govern this congregation, to be shepherds, pastors over this flock which are entrusted to their care. Give them that they also may be good examples of the flock. Be with the deacons, give them, that they may encourage the congregation to be a true communion of saints. That they encourage the members to use all their talents and gifts for the well-being and benefit of the other members, readily and cheerfully. May you give us all that we support the deacons, that they may receive the means they need to support those who are in need. May you give us all that we help and encourage each other to remain firm in the faith. Father, will you in that way build us all up and glorify your name also in our church, in our congregation. We pray for the governments which you put in authority over us. Give them that they may receive the wisdom to do what is good, to make decisions that are right according to your will. And will you give them that they may realize that your commandments are good, not only for those who believe, but for every human being. Father, will you give us that we show all respect that we ought to this government, to those whom you put in authority over us. That we accept them and respect them as ordained by you. Will you work everywhere on this earth in everything that is happening? Will you use this to build your kingdom? We know that nothing happens against your will, that all has a place in your plan. Father, will you then use that so that everywhere on this earth your name may be glorified? The works of Satan and all the evil works in this world may be broken down and all the resistance against the preaching of your word that your name may be proclaimed to all nations 
all peoples, in all languages. And the number of those were chosen, yeah, that's number maybe four, soon. A multitude that no one can count. And at the day of the return of your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, may come soon. Father, we look forward to that with great longing. And together with the entire church, through your Spirit, we pray, come, Lord Jesus. Father, in his name we pray. Amen. Let us now sing Psalm 108, the stanzas 1 and 2. Lift up your hearts to the Lord and receive his blessing and depart in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>